mine. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be in verse number 3 tonight. So uh, first and foremost, who needs a study guide still? I think we put them in our prayer sheets. Anybody need one? Put your hand up. Justin, you don't mind just grabbing. I think they're in the prayer sheets uh, tonight. So they hid them from you. So they're really making you search, I think, with that. So uh, Ephesians chapter 1, let's go ahead and start reading in verse number 1. Follow along with me. And really, primary focus tonight is in verse number 3. But it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Remember, we talked about being in Christ Jesus. And really, that's kind of what this study is about, uh, finding our identity in Christ, not in anything else. If you need one of those study guides, just keep your hand up and he'll get one to you. Uh, but make, making sure our identity is not in our culture, not in the world surrounding us, uh, not in our name, but in Christ Jesus. Verse number two, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse number three, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So just go ahead and keep your hand up. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll begin our services tonight. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for this day you've given us, Lord. And God, I do pray that you be with the Luke and all family. I know many churches and, and people have already helped out uh, in this need that they have. And God, I pray that you help our church to be a blessing to them. Uh, anything that we can give, I know, would be a, a help and a blessing to this family that has lost all of their possessions uh, over there in Russia as they're trying to serve you uh, faithfully to do what you've called them to do. And God, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we dig into your word a little bit more uh, in, in this study on Ephesians. Lord, I've already thoroughly enjoyed uh, my study time thus far in the past three or four weeks as I've really been digging into this uh, great book. And God, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we really just kind of focus on this one verse that would help us, help us all to realize that, that we have a great treasure chest of blessings awaiting us in you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a Christian, as a child of God, to truly take advantage of all that we have in you and help us to remember that we have so much more in you than we'll ever have in this world. And Lord, we love you. Again, thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing and what you've done. In Christ's name I pray, amen. I want to start this week kind of where we left off a few weeks ago. And remember this series, oh, thank you, man, two. Must be a long-winded sermon, right? I want to start off this week where I left off a few weeks ago. Remember, our identity uh, will continue to be shaken and altered until we understand who we are. Not who we are in this world, but who we are in God, in Christ Jesus. And really, this study is really more about this. Who does God say that we are? And again, all of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and even into 3, it's talking about who we are in Christ. Um, if, excuse me, the moment you got saved, you became a new creature. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And really, it should be become new. But a lot of times I've noticed in my own life that uh, instead of truly focusing on Christ and doing what Christ wants me to do, I focus on myself. I do what Chris Thorne wants to do instead of what Jesus Christ has commanded me to do. But this phrase, in Christ, that was in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and, and already in a couple of verses so far in Ephesians, is very important. It's found at least 75 times in the Bible. And another phrase concerning that, uh, in him or in the beloved or by Christ, is found over 150 times in the, um, in the New Testament. You know, the main theme of this letter is our identity. It's not about who we are. It's about who we are in Christ. You know, we have a, a plethora or a myriad, which means a lot, of blessings that we have at our disposal. 
And the, the, the blessings that we have at our disposal are from Jesus Christ, if we're truly in him, if we're truly saved. But so often, instead of choosing to accept the blessings that come from Jesus Christ, we choose to accept temporal blessings or temporal blessings, blessings that really won't last, that really don't amount to anything. And I love what Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, when he says, but none of these things move me. Here's what he was saying. He said, the things of this world don't move me, don't alarm me. They don't deter me from my purpose. And what is my purpose as a Christian? To please God, to glorify him, to do what God wants me to do. And another question we had asked, and this is all kind of introductory uh, things concerning what we've already talked about. But one question we need to ask ourselves is this. What would it take to get us to quit living for Christ? And I know it's a hard question to answer, and I hope that's a question that we never have to answer. But I've known too many Christians that something happens in their life that gets them sidetracked, that gets them deterred. And instead of living for Christ and in Christ, they're living for themselves. How many known people like that? And sometimes it's a big thing. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's a very big thing, a very a great tragedy that's taken place in your life. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's hurt. But what would it take to get you to quit living for Christ? And I hope the answer to that question is nothing. And the truth is, as we'll continue this study over the next several weeks and months, if we're truly living in Christ, then nothing is going to deter us. Now, we might get shaken a little bit, that as I said a few weeks ago, we're not going to sink. Nothing is going to capsize us if Jesus Christ is truly our strong foundation because he can see us through anything, any problem, any storm, any difficulty. You know, there's nothing in our lives that can be more stable than understanding statements like this, that I belong to Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that. As a Christian, you belong to Jesus Christ. You are his. He is in you. He is your rock. He is your foundation. You know, we talked about things that uh, make us in Christ and things that are apart from Jesus Christ. But I want to just dive into the message tonight. I want to ask a question that I want to answer. I want us to answer at the very end of tonight's lesson. And it's this. I think I have it in your notes. How does living in Christ affect who you are and how you live? I ask it now because I want that to kind of sink in throughout the message tonight, and I want us to answer it together, uh, many of us individually together at the end of the services tonight. So I want you to think about that as we continue on. How does living in Christ affect who you are and how you live? Again, there could be a lot of answers to that question. How many have ever been on a treasure hunt? Anybody? All right, a couple of us are like excited about treasure hunts. How many? All right, never mind. Um, what, what's, what's, what's the fun about a treasure hunt? Anybody want to share some fun things about a treasure hunt? Yeah, Nicole. The adventure, the adventure behind it? Yeah. What else? Brendan? I didn't call on you. Calm down. Finding the treasure? Finding the treasure? Yes. All right, Carrie. I was excited. Sorry. I know. <laughs> Instead of giving me a hard time. Yeah, just the end of it. Just the end of it? Yeah. Have you ever been on a treasure hunt and then you got to the end of it and what you thought you were going to find, you didn't find? And it was a disappointment. Isn't that exciting? No, it's not. You know, it's the anti, you know, of, uh, it's the antithesis, uh, whatever that word I'm looking for is. The opposite of, of, of exciting. It's, it's disappointing. When you, when you get to the end and you open up that treasure, you, 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 you dig in the ground and, and like, oh, there's nothing there. <laughs> or, or what is in there is, is not what I wanted. You see, so many times Christians are on a 
endless treasure hunt. And the world is really on an endless treasure hunt. But instead of being on a treasure hunt to discover what the Bible says that gives us meaning and value and significance in our lives, we're following the pattern, the, the map of the world. And when we get to the treasure, instead of being encouraged, excited, enthused, we're left disappointed. Why? Because it's nothing that's going to sustain us. It's nothing that's, that's going to satisfy us. How many have ever heard stories of people that were just loaded with wealth beyond uh, you know, possibly imagining it, and yet they lived their life like a pauper. Anybody ever heard stories like that? I've got a story I want to share tonight, but I've heard many stories of people that, that lived basically like, like they had nothing, almost to the point of they wouldn't even take care of themselves because I don't want to spend my fortune. And then they found out that they hit everything and their mattresses and their basement and cans and jars and stuff like that, had millions and millions of dollars they had everything at their disposal, everything that they could possibly want, and yet they failed to use them. There was a lady in the 1900, early 1900s. She went down in history as America's greatest miser, at least at this time. She died in 1916. Her name was Hetty Green. And she left an estate valued at over $100 million. Many of us probably have that right now, right? Probably not. But she ate cold oatmeal because it cost to heat it. Her son had to suffer leg amputation because she delayed so long in looking for a free clinic that his case became incurable. She was wealthy, yet she chose to live like a pauper. Now we think of someone like this and you say, man, is she eccentric? Is she crazy? Is she foolish? Probably, but you know, no one could actually prove it. But she was foolish that she hastened her own death by bringing on an attack of apoplexy, while arguing about the value of drinking skim milk. <laughs> so she was trying to save money and, and brought about a sickness that even killed her just to try to save a few measly cents or a few measly do dollars or, or to get her point across. And the point I'm trying to make in, in this story is this. So many Christians live in spiritual poverty. They live like they have nothing instead of living like royalty. Now, the thing I've noticed about those that have a lot, those that are in royalty, they live like it, right? You think of the, the queen of England. You think of you know, the, the princes and the prince and all that kind of stuff. They live like they have everything because they do. They have everything at their disposal. Yet as a Christian, as a child of God, we have everything at our disposal too. We have all blessings in God, in Christ Jesus. As the verse says, verse number three, look at what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with, what's that next word? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We have so much in God, in Christ, and yet, I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying a lot of times Christians choose to live like this heady green, like a pauper. You know, there's been times in my life when I've been stubborn to accept help. Anybody ever been stubborn and you won't accept help? I think many of us, if we'd, if we'd uh, actually be honest, you know, we, we talk about this. You know, there's, there's been times in my life where I, I knew I needed help, but I was so stubborn, so prideful that I couldn't seek it. Because what's that going to say to that person? That I can't make it on my own. But if someone has the opportunity to help me and they want to help me, why wouldn't I go to them? Why wouldn't you go to someone if they have an opportunity to help you? If, if your house had burned down, like I think of Lukinoffs, and, and maybe you have a rich relative that, 
that wants to help you or wants to do something for you, why wouldn't you go to them? Anybody? Pride. That's really what it comes down to, right? Pride or guilt or, or maybe they're going to hang it over my head or hold it over my head. And, and look, I've been there many, many, many times. I've done that because I don't want them to think that I, I can't make it. My pride and my stubbornness get the best of me because I don't want to be indebted to anyone. But how foolish is that? It's very foolish, isn't it? We have an opportunity to, to get what we need and instead, know what? I got it on my own. And I think about that because I've been like so guilty of this in my life many times. I've been so guilty of my own stubbornness and my own pride. Instead of actually seeking help and asking for help, you know what? I got this. But no, I want to help you. No, no, I, I got this. That's how we do with Christ. God wants to help us. He wants to, he wants to bless us, as the verse says, with all spiritual blessings. And yet, you know, I got my life, Lord. I'm going to take care of it on my own. I'm going to do what I need to do, and everything's going to be fine because I don't want to be indebted to anyone. Well, how foolish. How foolish we are as Christians to live like that. And really, all we're doing, instead of following the mold and the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ that he's given us from his word, is we're following a lie from the devil. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at uh, some things that are very important, some very, some very important terms over the next 11 verses in four, verses 4 through through 14. We're not going to talk about those tonight, but uh, this is a very intriguing passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 1. There's a lot of verses that are taken out of context in this passage of Scripture. People like to you know, focus on one verse instead of looking at the whole surrounding passage of what Paul is talking about, or even comparing Scripture with Scripture as is best to do. And we'll look at more of those words later, but tonight I really want to focus on this. Some out-of-the-world blessings... And over the next few weeks, what we're going to look at is this, how rich we are in Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, we are very rich, very wealthy. Maybe not in the material sense, but in the, the spiritual blessings of how he wants to bless us. So let's go ahead and dig in tonight. First of all is this, the aim. The aim is this, spiritual blessings. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 is really a summary of chapters 1 through 3, and it's kind of a thesis sentence for this whole book. Paul begins to praise God for all of these spiritual blessings, and Paul tells us where these blessings are from. They're in heavenly realms. These are not treasures where moth and rust will destroy or corrupt or will thieves will break through and steal. These are greater blessings that we can receive because they're everlasting. I want us to notice, first of all, this, the source of blessings. The source of blessings is who? Jesus Christ. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that is the source of any and all blessings that we have. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. You know, down in verse 5, we're not going to go deep into this tonight, but it says, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. As a child of God, if we're saved tonight, we've been adopted into his family. And especially in these day, this day and age, uh, when Paul was writing this letter, you know, adoption was a very important thing because when you were adopted into a family, you received everything about that family. If that family was wealthy, then you got to receive that wealth because you were part of that family. You were adopted in. Once we were adopted into the family of God, we get everything that comes along with being a child of God. 
And that's the awesome thing. That's, that's the great thing. When we become adopted into God's family, the moment we trusted Christ as our Savior, you know what happened? We became rich. The richest man in the world at this time, at least according to last year's study, was uh, Jeff Bezos. He's the uh, founder and CEO of Amazon. He's got a lot of money. $112 billion to his credit. It's a little bit more than I have. 112 plus more than I have. Billion. Yet all of his wealth is really just pennies in comparison to what we have in the spiritual wealth of Jesus Christ. Spiritual blessings are found only in Christ. You see, if you're in Christ, then in God's eyes, you're acceptable. You're made righteous through him. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Because in Christ, God identifies you as his own. And there's a lot of people in here that have struggled with their identification or their identity because they're following the mold, the pattern of the world instead of following what Jesus Christ has laid out for us in his word. Instead of just focusing that I'm a child of God, I am in Christ, and that's enough for me, we're trying to define ourselves by everything else, by our job, by our status, by our relationships, by anything and everything that can change and will change, but in Christ that can never change. Once saved, you're always saved. Look, God identifies you as his own, and there is nothing that he withholds from his own. Isn't that great? There is nothing that Jesus Christ withholds from his own. So if you are in Christ, you have all the spiritual blessings at your disposal. And yet so many times as Christians, we live like we have nothing. I'm not saying God is going to make you rich in the sense of the world, and you're going to be the next Jeff Bezos. I'm not saying that but he's going to bless you in all spiritual blessings. You're going to be far wealthier in the spiritual sense than you ever will be in the earthly sense because the earthly sense is temporal. It's temporary. But in the spiritual sense, it's about adding to our collection in a sense of, of heaven, and that is eternal. So we see the source of blessings. We continue on and we look at this, the scope of our blessings. Focus on one word in verse number three. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all. Circle, underline, highlight, whatever you want to do with that word. Who hath blessed us with all, and I know I've already kind of said this tonight already, all spiritual blessings. You know what that means? He doesn't withhold anything from us. Sometimes as, as a father, sometimes as, as a friend or husband, I've withheld things from people. Anybody ever withheld things from someone? Yeah. But Jesus Christ, he doesn't withhold things from us. Any blessing we, we want in the spiritual realm is, is given to us if we choose to follow him, do his will. And throughout the history of the world, God used two methods for blessing mankind. Before Christ came, there were material blessings. This is what God promised with Abraham and Israel, you know, land and wealth and, and cattle and really anything and everything at their disposal. But the problem with the material blessings is that they misused it. And the problem with material blessings sometimes is that we tend to misuse it. I know I've misused material blessings many times. People have given me a material blessing and they've blessed me with something instead of you know, truly using it to honor and glorify God, I've misused it and then maybe God did something to take it away. But we have material blessings, but we also have spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings, I want you to get this, are of the spirits. The Holy Spirit is what controls and guides God's children through circumstances around him. You see, if the Spirit is strong in and through our lives, 
then we can overcome the feelings of doubt and discouragement and disappointment. But if the spirit is weak, then we give into our flesh. Anyone here tonight giving into your flesh this week? <laughs> yeah, probably many of us, if not all of us. And when the flesh is weak, we're going to give into our self-pity, and that's going to lead to destruction in our life. But when the flesh is strong, when we're following after God and doing what he wants us to do and feeding, our, uh, feeding the spirit with what we need to be fed with, his word, focusing on him, then we're not going to be grumbling and griping and complaining about anything and everything in our lives. And look, I am just as bad as the next person about this. I focus so often on my disappointments instead of focusing on all that I have in Christ Jesus. And I'm sure you're the same. Instead of focusing on all you have in Christ Jesus and all that he could give you, you focus on all you don't have and how bad your life is at this present moment. Look, all of our lives are bad in the sense of earthly, temporal things, material things. But spiritual blessings are of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not dwelling inside of you, then you're not in him. Turn quickly to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse number 9, I believe it is. The book of Romans is a phenomenal book. Don't have time definitely to go through that tonight. But starting in verse number 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but are in the spirit. If you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be living in the flesh, you should live in the spirit. You should be doing what God wants you to do and not what the world wants you to do, not what the flesh wants you to do. If so be, the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you don't have the spirit of Christ... If he's not dwelling in you, then you're not a Christian, you're not a child of God. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is uh, life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. We shouldn't be living after the flesh and doing what our flesh wants us to do. We should not be feeding the flesh. Verse 13, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify, do kill the deeds of the body, ye shall, what? Live. The opposite, right? You want to feed your flesh, you're going to die. You want to feed the Spirit, you'll live you'll have that abundant, flourishing, thriving life that we've been talking about. Verse 14, it continues. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Look, that's important. Unless you have the witness of the Spirit, you cannot draw from the wealth of the Spirit. But if you have the witness of the Spirit, which means if you're a child of God, you can draw from all of his wealth. All of God's wealth is at your disposal if you choose to follow him. So first of all, spiritual blessings are of the Spirit. Second thing under the scope of our blessings is this. Spiritual blessings are far more important than material blessings. And I know there's many people in the world that would say, no, that's not right. And I know there's many Christians that would say, no, that's not right. It's all about the material blessings. It's about this toy and that toy. It's about this thing and that thing. It's about what I have and what I can show off to everyone else. It's not about that. If God has blessed you with those things, that's fine. 
use of his honor and glory. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with having things. I've said that many times. And I've known many people that God has blessed with things and, and riches and wealth and material goods. And, and that's fine. But spiritual blessings are far more important and far more superior than any material blessings. Here's why. Spiritual blessings are most satisfying. They're the blessings that erase our loneliness and alienation and purposelessness. They're the blessings that give us abundance and cause us to thrive and flourish in our Christian lives. Here's the biggest difference. Spiritual blessings are permanent. They're perfect. They're eternal. Material blessings are temporal. Temporal. Temporary. They don't last. Spiritual blessings in Christ last. Material blessings don't last. Next thing we see is this, the sphere of our blessings. The sphere of our blessings. Look back at verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Our blessings are in heavenly places in Christ. The Christian's life should be centered around heaven. You see, our citizenship goes so much farther than just being from Decatur or wherever you're from, being from Texas or being from America. That's fine if that's where your citizenship lies, but that's temporal. That's temporary. My citizenship lies in heaven because I am in Christ Jesus. Knowing that one day when this mortal body dies or when Jesus Christ calls me home, I'm going to live forever. I'm not going to have any more pains. I'm not going to have to go to the chiropractor anymore. Praise God for that. I'll have the best pop in heaven ever probably, but it's beside the point. You see, for Paul, living in Christ was far more significant than identifying himself even as a Roman citizen. And that was important in that day. Being a Roman citizen mean, man, that you, you had arrived and, and you had everything at your disposal, but Paul was trying to get across to the, the city of Ephesus and the church here at Ephesus and the, the Christians here that it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you identify with. What matters is whose you are if you're in Christ Jesus. You see, no matter where we are on this earth, if we are in Christ, then he is with us on earth and in heaven. This is the basis of a life lived with his infinite power. The fact that Paul was writing about wealth was significant to the readers because Ephesus was considered the bank of Asia. Inside this city was one of the seven wonders of the world. Anybody know what it was? The Temple of Diana. Have you ever heard of that? Or seen pictures of that? One of the seven wonders or seven ancient wonders of the world. It was a very uh, sensual city, but it had a lot of money, had a lot of wealth in that city. You know, this was a center for idolatrous worship, but it was also a depository of great wealth because some of the most significant and greatest art treasures of the ancient world were housed in this magnificent building. And there's a tremendous beauty and wealth in this world. I mean, you look at some of the places in our world, and it's very beautiful. You go to some of the cities in our world, and it's very beautiful of what they have and the structures, and it's just amazing. But Paul says, that really doesn't amount to anything. That, that matters little. You see, there is tremendous beauty and wealth in our world, but we inherit the wealth of God by our faith in him, and we invest the wealth of God by our works towards him. 
want to make an application tonight and kind of wrap it up. We could have gone deeper tonight, but I want to focus just on this so we can focus more next week on the next few verses. But there are no spiritual blessings outside of Jesus Christ. The blessings that come from this present world pale in comparison to the wealth of riches of blessings that come from out of this world. And what I mean by that is from heaven. I think I have this in your notes, but just follow along with me here. Any passion that is not in with Jesus Christ as the destination is simply a counterfeit distraction. Any passion that does not end with Jesus Christ as the destination, which means you're focusing solely on him, living your life solely for him. I don't know how many times I've, I've counseled with people and I've counseled myself to focus on Christ, focus on doing what you need to do and, and being in Christ. And well, I've been doing that for a couple days, so I'm good. No, 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 it's not about a couple days. It's a lifetime. It's about living for Christ every day. And I can't just focus on Christ for a few days. I can't just focus on Christ for a, a week and expect everything to be fine. Because what's going to happen is I'm going to get off track of focusing on Christ. And then I'm going to be distracted by all these counterfeits, all these fakes. Psalm 1611 says this. This is the theme verse when I was a youth pastor in Indianapolis for my youth group. That will show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures evermore. Here's a phenomenal truth. If we can't find what we need at his right hand, then we probably have no need of it at all. If we can't find what we need at his right hand, then we probably have no need of it at all. You know, there are people in church, in churches, and probably even in this church, I'm sure, that have been hurt in church, by a church, by people within a church. Maybe it's because they're trying to do things to please a certain person. Maybe they're trying to attain a certain status. But one of the root causes of people being hurt in church is this. People are competing with one another. They're comparative of one another. They're in power struggles with one another. And I've known people like that and know people like that. But what's the root of a power struggle? Pride? Self-centeredness? Thinking it's about you? But I'm here to tell you that your life is not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. And the root of a power struggle is, yeah, it's pride and self-centeredness, but you know what this stems from? Insecurity. Anyone ever known someone that's very insecure, or maybe you yourself? can be, or yeah, maybe some of us don't want to admit that. But when we're insecure, you know what happens or what tends to happen? We make others feel bad so that we can feel better about ourselves. Because I'm insecure about who I am, so I'm going to put you down. I'm going to make you feel bad like you're the enemy so that I can feel better. And you know what happens? We tend to look down on other people. I know no one in here does that. We tend to be critical of other people. We tend to complain a lot and look at all of the faults around us and in this room instead of looking at our own faults. And there's that power struggle. We put others down. We're constantly complaining and finding fault with anything and everything. We're very critical of anyone and everything because we can't lose our position. When you focus on this word identity, we're going to look a little bit more about it next week and the weeks to come, but identity is kind of like this. It's I've got to be this. I've got to have this. 
I've got to fit in. I've, I've got to win so that you lose. But that's the world's way of thinking. And sadly, that's crept in our churches. That I have to be this to arrive. No, you just have to realize that you're in Christ. And in Christ, you have all the spiritual blessings at your disposal. You see, if I'm blessed and chosen and accepted, then that rewrites everything about me. I don't need to compete with anyone else anymore. And sadly, many people in our churches are living their lives in competition, in comparison to other people. We're comparing our life. Well, I'm much better than that person. I know we've joked about that before, but I've done that. Sadly, I have done that many times because I look at an individual's life and to make me feel better, I am so glad I'm not like that person. And if we're honest, we've probably all done that. But that's wrong. Let me try to wrap up this lesson tonight with kind of explaining the blessings we have in Christ another way. Have you ever gone to a buffet or a buffet? Anybody? How many like buffets? Honestly, I love buffets. They're not good for me, but I love buffets. Uh, somebody throw out, what's your favorite buffet? Anybody? Chinese what? Chinese buffet? What else? Golden Corral. Golden Corral, yes. <laughs> the Golden Horse Trough is what we call it in college, yeah. Exactly. What? Catfish Louis. Catfish Louis. I mean, like CeCe's Pizza. I mean, it's a buffet. You know what I love about CeCe's Pizza? The cinnamon rolls. Anybody with me tonight? Oh, yeah. You guys are all going to be going afterwards tonight. You know, I talked about fat and flourishing a few weeks ago. Like, all right, let's go again. I love that picture that was sent. Like, hey, bastard, we're trying to be fat and flourishing at CeCe's. Should have brought me a cinnamon roll. But anyway. <laughs> I, I love those, I, I love the buffets because, you know, the great thing about buffet, it's, it's endless, or it's supposed to be endless, right? You pay a certain amount of money, and you just get whatever you want. And really, that's how the Christian life is. The Christian life is like a spiritual buffet, in a sense. It's an endless buffet of spiritual blessings that are only found in Christ. You know, if I were to go to CC tonight, and they were, you know, open for a while or all night, and I kept going, I, I need more cinnamon rolls. You've already had 10, sir. I don't care. I need more. It's a buffet, and I can have whatever I want. You know what? They should keep making them for me. You know, we go to some places and like, oh, man, they're out of the last whatever, whatever it is we like. But you know what the good thing about those buffets? There's usually more in the back that they're going to bring out. If we run out of things in Christ, you know what? There's more that he's going to give us. There's more that he's going to, to do for us. Now, this has nothing to do with the message, but how many have ever uh, heard or seen Tim Hawkins? The Christian comedian. I was going to show his video, but I decided not to. But, you know, it, it was funny. And talking about buffets and all that kind of stuff, it, it reminded me of when he said uh, about the, uh, the Cracker Barrel biscuits. Anybody remember that one? You know, said they're so good, you make you slap your mama, something like that. <laughs> anyway, it had nothing to do with the message. It just popped into my brain this afternoon when I was studying. So, you know, if you really like Cracker Barrel biscuits, obviously they're so good, they're going to make you slap your mama. So please don't slap your mama. But that's what he says. So anyway, it has nothing to do with the message. <laughs> But if Chick-fil-A for me, if that were a buffet, I'd be in serious trouble. I mean, serious trouble. Some of you guys, Whataburger, if that were a buffet, you'd be in serious trouble. Costa Torres were a buffet. You'd be in serious trouble. Some of you guys were already in serious trouble because of those places. But this is what Paul is getting us in Ephesians chapter 1, a spiritual buffet of blessings. Immature Christians and churches are those who don't understand what we have in the gospel. We have so much more in Christ 
than we'll ever have apart from Christ. The blessings we have in Christ are out of this world. There's something I was reading this afternoon, actually took a picture of it, forgot to bring it up here. Um, uh, Stacy had lent me a book, it was called Streams in the Desert, and I kind of reading through some of them this afternoon and stumbled across one and uh, loved what it was talking about. It was really in, actually in Malachi chapter th- 3, verse 10, where it says, prove me now, you know, they're worth it. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out the blessings. I know I'm misquoting that. Um, but th- there was something in here that really kind of stood out to me. Uh, the writer said, I can never forget my mother's very brief paraphrase of Malachi chapter 3.10. The verse begins, bring ye the whole tithes in, and it ends with, I will pour the blessings out so you be embarrassed for, uh, for space. Her paraphrase was this, give all he asks and take all he promises. I thought that was good. Give all he asks and take all he promises. The ability of God, and this is good, is beyond our prayers, beyond our largest prayers. I've been thinking of some of the petitions that have entered in my supplication innumerable times. What have I asked for? The writer says, I have asked for a, a cup full. And you know what remains? The ocean. I have asked for a sunbeam, and the sun still abides. My best asking falls immeasurably short of my Father's giving. It is beyond that we can ask. J.H. Jowett. And that's the great thing about Christ and his spiritual blessings. We ask for a cup, and the ocean remains. We ask for sunlight, and the sun still stands. You see, what we have in Christ is far greater than what we'll have in this world. The blessings of Christ are truly out of the world because they come from a place that is far greater than this world. They come from the throne room of heaven. And I asked this question earlier on in the message, and I want to end with this tonight. Hopefully you've had some time to think about it. But how does living in Christ affect who you are and how you live? Or how does living in Christ, or how should living in Christ affect who you are and how you live? Anyone tonight? Anyone want to share anything? Carrie? Yeah. That's good. Am I doing it for Christ? Am I doing it for myself? What else? How does how does living or how should living in Christ affect who you are and how you live? Your conscience, yeah. That's good. Yeah. What else? Yes. Oh yeah. More and more detached from the world and more hungry for heaven. And really that's how it should be. We should become more detached from the world because heaven is far greater than this world. And honestly, it's going to blow our minds when we get there. Now, we have have heaven in a box, I believe. (laughs) I mean, truly. Uh, When the Lord took our son Logan almost seven years ago, uh, my wife was reading different books about heaven. And and again, it's a writer's perspective, but it's one of those things that's sort of opening, opening up your eyes to just how great heaven is going to be. And we, we think of it sometimes, or at least I did when I was a child, like, you know, there's all these angels up there sitting on clouds and playing harps, and that's what we're going to be doing. Like, I don't want to go to heaven if that's all it's going to be. I don't want to be in a robe and just, you know, have a halo and just playing a, a harp and stuff like that all the days of my life. It sounded boring, but, and I know I'm, I'm joking, but that's kind of how we picture heaven sometimes, isn't it? But heaven is far greater than this world. Now, this world is pretty awesome. It is because it's one of God's creation. Now, it's, it's marred with sin. And you, you, you wander around this world, this great earth that we live, and there are a lot of beautiful things, but heaven is so far superior to this. 
And we should be living more detached from the world and, and more attaching ourselves to heaven. One, one more thing or a couple more things. How does living in Christ affect you or how should it affect you and how you live? Anyone else? Yeah, have more peace and joy. That's something good for all of us. We should have more peace and joy. Why? Because we're Christian. This world is not my home like that old song, right? We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. This life is not the end. There's something far, far, far better awaiting us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And again, really, this verse is just the introduction of the next 11 verses because the next 11 verses, verse 4 through 14, talks about just how rich we are in Christ. So stay tuned. Keep coming back every week. I know you're not going to be disappointed by it, and I'm excited about what's to come. All right. Let's go ahead and take some prayer requests.